brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This podcast contains mature content and listener discretion is advised. Also, be advised, we are not medical professionals and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Running through the streets, solving all the mysteries, crushes and aliens, lots of other crazy things, laughing all the way. All we know is we don't know Kayla and Maggie, breaking down conspiracies, learning all the way, searching through time and space. Kayla and Maggie, now that's done, let's crack the beer Welcome to Mystery Team Inc. Um, we're rolling, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're in. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, just take the show. Yeah, take it. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Welcome to Mystery Team Inc. I'm Kayla. <laughs> our guest today is Maggie Herskowitz. Back no, again. No, you're Maggie Herskowitz. Sorry, now. our guest today is me, Maggie Herskowitz. <laughs> Genius, writer, oh, extraordinaire. Wow. Most talented, smartest person Kayla's ever met in her whole life. That does sound like something I'd say. Um, <laughs> no, that's what I would say. I know. Oh, I love right. you. But you're me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've already lost the plot. I'm confused. I love it. Um, this is this is a perfect segue into my uh, first uh, things I need to say. That's being me being <laughs> so smart. I wanted to Great. start with some corrections from the previous oh episode. <laughs> Great, I'm ready. Um, so for for those of you uh, just tuning in, which you all are because it's the beginning of the episode, um, I do highly recommend that you listen to my last episode first. Do you remember what episode number that was? We're not numbering them anymore. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> we stopped at um, 98. I love it. So some number episode, um, I talk about redeeming Harry Houdini and... All of this is coming off of that. So it's going to be a little referential. You can listen to it as a standalone, but like there's no reason not to go back and listen 
to the first part of this because it's great. It's some of your um, finest work. I honestly, I'm so proud of it. Nothing I've ever said is as good as that or will be as good as that, including this episode. So I uh, get ready for disappointment, everyone. Um, but just to uh, do a quick recap for those who haven't listened, um, so it started when it was implied that Harry Houdini was debunking <laughs> spiritualists because he felt threatened as a magician. And so I had to come in because I've seen the musical Ragtime <laughs> and be like, no, no, no. It's because he wanted to believe there was something more. And he felt like people claiming to speak to the dead fraudulently when they were also just doing magic tricks were defrauding people and doing something unethical and that's all I meant to say and then I uncovered I personally discovered and by that I mean this is a well-known fact that I somehow just caught up to that there is an age-old history of magicians fighting psychics <laughs> that many 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 old-timey magicians um, made it their life's work to debunk the mediums and spiritualists of their time. And last episode, I quickly name-dropped uh, many instances of that. And <laughs> we were like, oh, these sound crazy. And I said, hey, internet, um, let me know if you want to hear more. And the amazing Mystery Team Inc. audience actually said that they did, which made me really happy because this time I can say back by popular demand and it's not even a lie that I'm making you say. Um, and joking aside, you have a wonderful audience. They're very lovely. They're so lovely. And, like, and they're so weird. I'm so I was about. To, that's so funny. I was literally opening my mouth to be like, I'm so weird. I need constant <laughs> validation. So I was like constantly updating the Instagram to see if people commented. And there were people being like, I would love a whole series on this. Someone was like, I was screaming when you guys were disparaging Houdini. I'm so glad he was redeemed. So like all of those comments just completely filled my heart with so much love and self-righteousness and just joy. So especially to those of you who commented, I really hope you will enjoy this follow-up. Um, and I will begin by correcting some of my errors from love last it. time. <laughs> so um, first of all, I consistently referred to my first episode of Mystery Team Inc. as episode nine. It is episode eight. Uh, it also appears to not be available on SoundCloud, I guess, because I spit truths that were too hot about the film. Why are the you looking Showman. at SoundCloud? I don't know. I don't know where to find y'all's podcast. Spotify. Spotify. Okay. Whatever. No, no, no. So SoundCloud was like the first thing we ever used to host our podcast. I don't even know what's going on there anymore. Great. So okay, great. Cut it. Don't, don't look on SoundCloud. Um, <laughs> And so the reason I transitioned into this uh, was because Kayla said all those lovely things about me being a genius. Uh, and last time, we... <laughs> last time we were joking about, wow, we're both so smart. And it took us so long to do the math to get to 39. And it turned out to not be 39. Do you remember I, the equation? I do. I'm Great. pulling up my cell I think phone. We need a full setup. Worse from there. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened was uh, we, Kayla, for some reason, we were talking about when Houdini did something, I think, with the American Society of Magicians, which 
don't worry, comes back in this yes. episode. And Kayla, for some fucking reason, was like, <laughs> how old was he at this point? <laughs> Never ask that. why. Um, it's always a mistake when I do that. Oh, don't worry. This time you won't need to. <laughs> oh, good. Um, Did you take note? <laughs> yes. And so we took so much time figuring out the difference between um, 1876 when I said, I was like, well, Houdini was born in 1876 and this was happening. Oh, my God. Now I can't remember. Um, But uh, what's 1876 plus 30? But it's not. Hang on. Hang on. I'm going to your Instagram because we posted. Okay. So. In the on the Instagram post, uh, Kayla put up our text exchange in which I text her, Kayla, it's 41. 1876 to 1917 is aggressively not 39. But the best thing is we made it a running joke in the episode. Like, oh, we're so smart, but it took us so long to get to 39. And it wasn't even 39. Here's where it gets worse. It wasn't even 41. That math equation is 41. That's not the year Houdini was born. (laughs) Um, So Kayla was like, so how old was he then? And I was like, well, it's 1917. He was born in 1876. No, he wasn't. He was born in 1874. Bess was born in 1876. No. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You can't kid about that. You looked at me like I was the dumb. No, no, no. Because I was panicking in my head because I was like, Fuck, I thought it was 43. It is 49. It's not that I thought you were so dumb. It's that I thought I was so dumb. (laughs) So Harry Houdini was 43 when this incident happened, not 39. Great. And also, I don't know what incident this was. I don't either. Don't look. It really doesn't matter. Don't go back and Um, look. I won't. Uh pay toilet was something we discussed and uh, didn't have time because I wasn't smart enough to be like, we need to book three hours. Um, Pay toilet? Yes. One of the people invented the pay toilet and you were like, what's that? And I was like, I don't know. We got to keep moving. Um, The pay toilet is some urine town style shenanigans. This is a thing in England where you like put a penny in and it unlocks a bathroom for you. Oh, like how I played roller coaster tycoon to like squeeze as much money as I could out of the guests. You can charge money for the bathrooms in roller coasters. Oh, tycoon. okay. Then yes. Here's the thing. <laughs> you didn't say like I do in roller coasters. That's what tycoon. I said. No, you said oh, like how I play roller coaster oh, tycoon. <laughs> Are you so like making I'm... money off roller coaster? Ty- Are you somehow making money off people's bladders playing roller coaster tycoon? Yes, yes. just like you do in yeah. roller coaster tycoon. Um, another thing we left hanging last episode was what is a human ostrich? Yep. At the time, I said it's probably someone who, like, stretched their neck. No, it is someone who could swallow anything and did. Why is it not For snake? entertainment. Because I think there's a whole thing about, like, ostriches. Ostriches will can eat also anything swallow, swallow anything. anything. Um, another thing. Also, the reason all of this is happening is because I went back and listened to our episode multiple times to make sure I wrote down the names of all the magician fights I referenced. Yes. And then I was like, oh, here are all the threads we left hanging. Um, another one is we were talking about someone insisting that magic was real after it was disproven. And I was like, you'll never guess who this comes up 
between later and you said, is it Houdini's mom and John Oliver? <laughs> and I said, that's closer than you think. And it never came back to it. Wasn't it Arthur Conan Doyle? Yes, it was Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah. But my logic was it is a Houdini and a British person. <laughs> um, Arthur Conan Doyle always gets got. Yeah, I know. He he I think he comes into this peripherally. Now here is the next important thing. She has a pen. She has a pen. There are no cameras in this room, correct? I'll describe it. No. I mean, they're not. You're not going to describe it. So here's the thing. Oh, no. Last time, we were supposed to do our secret (gasps) afterlife code, and then we forgot. I forgot what mine even was. I knew we would forget again if we didn't do it right now. I didn't want to say it on the air, so I brought a pen and paper. I don't remember what mine was. That's okay. I have one for us. Oh, okay. Great. And here's the thing. This is an incident that only the two of us were present for. <gasps> so no one else could get this. But <laughs> here's here's the... What if I don't remember I was it? about to say, here's the potential flaw in our plan. I don't think you remember our childhood as well as I do. I don't so, remember anything. Right. So hopefully you will either remember this running gag between just us and no one else in our friend group. Or... You will have no recollection of this, but will be so floored by this phrase <laughs> that it will stick in your memory forever, I'm even in the afterlife. <laughs> and if not, we'll come up with something else. But at least I'll have shot my shot with <laughs> the first uh, afterlife phrase. Okay, here we go. I'm, I'm presenting the paper to Kayla. <laughs> Do you remember that? I think, yeah. Okay, great. So Wait, that's... I want to ask about it. Okay, here. You can write it down. Okay. <laughs> we, we can't do it in. We, we're never going to speak it out loud or any context out loud. Okay, I'm so excited. I hope there's a lot of mystery and intrigue for our listeners as we write down okay. shit that's going to happen after our death. about it. I think I saw, I think I can see the first word and I think it is correct. Yes. Okay, which one is it? Um... The second one. Yes. I'm so glad. You, I was like, there's a 50-50 that Kayla looks at this, this and is like, yup. And 50-50 that she's like, I don't know what this series <laughs> no, of words I remember means. It. Okay. Perfect. So there we go. Um, my last correction is I referred to my boyfriend as a very smart person. That remains true. Um, <laughs> but I referred to his father as an astrophysicist. He is a particle physicist. <gasps> How very dare. I know. Which is apparently, like, a big deal. Like, I'm real dumb for that. So, here we go. I'm ready. This is... Hold on. (laughs) So when you said I'm ready, you meant I'm not ready. I I became unready almost immediately. I I feel that. And that's kind of... That roller coaster we just went through (laughs) of you being ready, then unready. I feel like that's going to be the vibe of this whole episode. Because it's... This episode is going to be like talking to me in real life. Like, it's just... A treasure and a delight. And yes, that and also just fucking chaos. Great. Um, Because really, and here's what's fun about this. Magician fights, magicians (laughs) versus psychics, they're so omnipresent. And at first, I was like, I'm going to go through the whole thing from the golden age of the spiritualists and Houdini and everything all the way through, like... David Blaine and um, I almost said Pasek and Paul, um, <laughs> <laughs> who were the uh, Penn and Teller and like everyone. And then just that like 
Arthur Conan Doyle, old-timey, height-of-spiritualism craze era was so rich a tapestry <laughs> that I was like, we're just going to—we have 7,000 words just in that era. We can come so back. So we're not even stretching into the modern times. It's fine. We'll I do think, another one. Exactly. And I also think there's something— even more fun because nowadays there's more skepticism. So I think all the times when the general public at large was like, yep, spiritualism is a thing Mm -hmm. that everyone's like, no, 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 I can do card tricks. So (laughs) no, it's not. It's like even funnier than modern day. So I'm um, so excited. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. Uh, So we're going to start with instances that I name dropped in the last episode and was like, these people fought each other and then didn't go into. And then we're going to move into um, some people we haven't heard of who I (laughs) discovered uh, in this. And they're some of my favorites. So we're going to start with John Neville Maskeline, who I feel like is one of the first people who, as I was looking up about Houdini and his magician fights with spiritualists, He was one of the first people where I was like, oh, look, another debunker. And then was like, what the fuck? He was a magician, too. Um, So I vaguely remember that. In the last episode, we talked about John Neville Maskeline. And this is actually when the is it Houdini's mom and John Oliver came up because I said John uh, John Neville Maskeline um, got his friend who was a cabinet maker to create a spirit cabinet to recreate the trick and then someone was like holy shit you can do it too oh right I remember. and he was like no i literally just showed you how it works so i referenced last episode him versus the davenport brothers him versus henry slade and him versus eusapia paladino and so those are the three major uh talked about it last time let's get into it now and I made the really strong choice to leave Harry Houdini out of this episode. I'm fine with that. Yeah, because I was like, you know what? He had his moment in the spotlight last time. Let's just focus on this. So John Neville Maskeline first worked with his uh, co-magician, George Cook, um, on this project to expose the Davenport brothers. Um, but just to kind of give an overview of him as a magician, uh He and Cook uh, struggled to make ends meet, but were saved when they were discovered by a theatrical agent who saw their show and offered to finance a tour. And shit like that makes me so jealous and angry. That's the dream we were all told. Yeah, yeah, you just like just perform and then an agent's like, hey, kid, want to be a star? Remember in our children's theater group how we kept getting told there were agents in the audience and looking back, there weren't? Yeah. (laughs) So Masculine and Cook invented many illusions still performed today. Uh, Maskeline was adept at working out the principles of illusions and invented levitation. <sighs> levitation is commonly attributed to Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin, who we'll remember from last episode is where Houdini got his name, but it was actually uh, Maskeline's invention. Uh, levitation is also sometimes credited to American magician Harry Kellar. Oh, yes, who, Kellar. <laughs> yes, also featured in last episode. Um, but he actually stole it from Maskeline uh, by bribing his technician. So the do first, we know how they do it? Um, so here's the thing. For things like that, and I talk about this a little later, I don't go into any tricks 
uh, and secrets that you would still see today because I love seeing magic shows and being like, holy shit, they're doing oh, magic for so you didn't even fun. spoil it for yourself? Or I, did you spoil it and you're just going to well, continue? The things that are like, ooh, I'm contacting the dead and like not something you would see someone at the magic castle perform, I spoil. But if it's something that like, a magician would still do today as like a parlor trick and we're all in on the fact that it's just like a fun time. I don't spoil it. But did you spoil it for yourself no. doing the research? No. God, I like just love you so much. I, I like to I like magic. I immediately would have. Yeah. <laughs> but I read Wikipedia pages for movies before I watch them. I sometimes I I had to read the Wikipedia summary for Witchwood. Or not even Wikipedia. I had to look up the end of Witchwood because <laughs> I wasn't going to be able to sleep unless I knew how the story ended. But I didn't have time to play the last third of the game. That's so I like fair. looked it up, spoiled it, and then went back to the game. So the first magician fight we're going to be talking about took place in June 1865. John Neville was born in December 1839. <laughs> so he, I wrote he was 25 turning 26 in advance. <laughs> I meant to type 26 in December, but I was thinking about how smart I was to be doing the math in advance. So I accidentally typed that he was going to be 26 in advance. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. So, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, mm, in classic. 1865, Maskelyne became famous with George Cook for exposing the Davenport brothers as fraudulent spiritualists. They then performed a show, Maskeline and Cook, featuring the box trick, juggling, and automata, which I assume is a fancy plural for automaton. Um, personally, I just fucking love the idea of being like, um, number one, I know what you're doing is fake. Number two, I know how to do the exact thing you're doing and we'll do it now to prove that you're fake. Number three, also, now I'm going to use the thing you did to make money as a performer now. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> So was that performance that they did, was that what the Davenports were doing? Yes, but they did it as like a we're like literally it was just, oh, shit, like we can prove that this is fake. And actually, we're really good at this <laughs> yeah. and we're going to do it as entertainment. I love it. They literally just stole their act, but just <laughs> did it as like clearly we're we're doing an act. Um, and in fact, they referred to their show as and I quote, entertainment of pure trickery. Um, I love that. I do, too. And another thing is, according to Wikipedia, Maskeline literally announced to the audience that he could recreate the Davenport Brothers act. Uh, so I like to imagine that it was literally like right after the performance. She just stood up and was like, um, I can <laughs> no. do that, too. <laughs> like what they're doing is fake and I can do it, too. And then he just like did it <laughs> as a career. Um, and I just I think that's really fun. Um, so our next magician fight <laughs> John Neville Maskeline versus Henry Slade, who's another person I referenced last episode, um, but we didn't uh, go 
into who Slade was or what he did. Uh, and we're going to learn that now. In 1876, when he was 36 years old, <laughs> Sean Neville Maskelyne it's so helpful, was a witness at the fraud trial of Henry Slade, who was 41 years old at the time. Oh my God, he uh, so, took the stand. So here we go. <laughs> so we're going to dive into a little more about Harry, who Henry Slade actually is. Henry Slade is a current rugby player. I don't think that's the one John Neville Maskelyne fought, but that's what came up first. Mm -hmm. Um, It was easy to figure out exactly which one he did fight because his Wikipedia starts with Henry Slade, 1835-1905, was a famous fraudulent medium. (laughs) (laughs) Who went in and changed that Wikipedia article? So rude. Um, Oh, I love it. Maskelyne's ghost. Um, (laughs) Slade was most well-known for being a slate writing medium Mm -hmm. and because of our sloppy american dialect slade and slate sound pretty similar Mm -hmm. um but and also sometimes when i was typing it i mix them up um but so slade i'm gonna call him henry for our purposes henry would place a slate so we're not dealing with slade placed a slate uh (laughs) with a piece of chalk under a table and claimed spirits would write messages but he was repeatedly caught faking the message writing Uh, Not only that, but he had different methods of faking it, which I think is kind of cool because if you know like, ooh, I think that person's like watching for me to do this thing, then Mm -hmm. you just do the different trick. Um, But he was apparently caught writing these messages from the dead using tiny pieces of chalk held either in his fingers, toes, or mouth. Nope. Um, Hate that. Yep. (laughs) John Truesdell caught him using his foot to write while Stanley Lefebvre Krebs used a concealed mirror to find Slade swapping out the blank slate entirely for one already written upon and hiding the other slate in the back of his chair. This was always my least favorite type of like fake spiritualist trickery Uh because it seems like if I saw someone with their hand under a table, like the ghost, I would just be like, no, the ghost isn't. Yeah. Well, that's why sometimes he did it with his feet. (laughs) I know, but it's like... There's there's so it's many the one of these I've things. Least, I would have least bought. Yes. And that's why a lot of these are <laughs> they're just so good cuz a lot of them are things like that where it's like how do you guys not <laughs> see that this is like very but as we know from the Davenport brothers cabinet incident this was a time at which someone could be like, and here's how the fake thing works <laughs> fakely. And, and they're like, like oh you my can God, do you're it. magic. It's, so like automatic writing is also something that um if we remember back to Gabe's episode about the man who sold the Eiffel Tower, yes, that Victor Lustig also did automatic writing when he was doing blackface, like in Atlantic City or something. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, <laughs> not him, but but uh, p- parts, some things you said in that sentence may or may not come up. In was a it bit. blackface in Atlantic I'm City? I'm sure I couldn't say. <laughs> um, so. Uh, in a seance in 1876, a couple more people caught Slade in fraud, uh, Ray Lancaster and Brian Donkin. Lancaster snatched the slate before the spirit message was supposed to be written and found the writing already there. Mm. (laughs) This is one of my favorite things. Slade was prosecuted for fraud in London and was sentenced to three months in prison. However, Slade made an appeal, which was sustained on the grounds that the words by palmistry or otherwise had been omitted in the indictment, 
before he could be arrested on the new summons, he fled to America. <laughs> um, so from what I can tell. Wait, the- I have a what are yes. you- Hold on. So the indictment didn't say by palmistry or otherwise. So what did it say? My guess is I didn't. A lot of these things. How like old that was he? Are, <laughs> no, he's okay. Eighteen seventy. No, 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 no. I just want to know about the indictment. Okay. Uh, no, but I did write it down earlier. Eighteen seventy six. He was forty one. Yes. Okay. So don't worry. Right, it's right, there. Right. Um, my guess is like he, I didn't. This is the kind of thing where I was like, nope, not enough time. But I'm sure it said something. And by sure, I mean I'm taking a wild guess <laughs> that it said something like he defrauded people. And he was like, no, 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 but you didn't say that it was by palmistry otherwise. And they're like, fuck, okay. Here's the new, oh, where did he go? Uh, America. Um, so people who caught him being shady include, but are not limited to Lancaster, Donkin, Truesdell, and Krebs, which sounds like a great old-timey British law firm. So it doesn't sound like Maskelyne necessarily witnessed Slade's shenanigans firsthand, I couldn't find any proof of that. He just testified as Slade's trial, maybe just as a noted debunker of mediums in general. Like when they bring in a, a medical trial? expert. No, no, no. He testified at Slade's trial. But like, I don't that know he... that he saw Slade himself. It's like when they bring in a medical expert to be like, yep, that's a stab wound. Yeah. Like they didn't see the person get stabbed, but they're like, I'm a doctor. That's what it looks like when someone gets knifed. So Got I it. think that maybe they were just like, Slade did some shady medium stuff. Hey, Maskeline, you know about shady mediums. They're shady, right? (laughs) Maskeline was like, Your Honor, that's shady. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And by exactly, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I think because they listed all these different people who caught Slade doing dumb shit and they didn't include an incident of Maskeline being there to be like, oh, it's his weird little toes. Uh, Just said that he testified at his trial. Um, so as far as I can tell, Slade fled to America and stayed on his bullshit. This is, right? (laughs) This is normally where it'd be like, oh, new profession, same old tricks. But in this case, since he's a fake magician, it's like, well, new tricks, same old tricks. (laughs) Um, this is something that absolutely sent me. One of his tricks was, uh, playing an accordion with one hand under the table uh, and it was worded confusingly in the article what? I read, but I have to assume that it wasn't like, hey, everybody, look at this cool trick I can do where I can play an accordion with one hand under the table. It was more like, oh, look, the spirit music is coming through the air. But honestly, if someone was like, hey, guys, look at this cool thing I can do. <laughs> that's way cool. Where I can play an accordion with one hand under the table. Okay, here's my question. I feel like that's fucking awesome. Yes. Did he... So he went and did his ghost show. Yes. And he said, with one hand under under the table, yes. conspicuously. Correct. He was like, a ghost is playing this accordion and yes. had a hand under the Correct. table. Um, so I to think what end? Is, so, so, <laughs> <laughs> again, this is a time when people were like, holy shit, you can do magic too, when people were showing that they were fake. So I don't know if he did this. but So he's not performing on a stage, most likely. He's like in a parlor being like, I'm summoning the ghost, so it's probably really dark. And I know other mediums at the time, we'll get into this later, 
would be like, okay, we're all going to close our eyes and hold hands. So you take my left hand, you take my right hand. So it seems like both of his hands are accounted for, but really he has people hold each other's hands instead. So to the best of their knowledge, like they are holding his hands, his hands are present and accounted for, but really it's under the table playing an accordion. I don't know that he did that particular gimmick, but I know there were other magicians. Here's my I mean, next question. Spiritualists who did. Yes. Next open question. Open your eyes. Why wouldn't you open your eyes? Because they're buying in. <laughs> and also. I people, would. <laughs> right. But also people did open their eyes. And the people who opened their eyes were the people who were like, oh. um, he's riding with his toes. He just used a mirror. You know, he just flipped the slate so that there was already writing on it. So like. Which is why so many of these people were able to call these tricks out. So a lot of the time, uh, these people were debunked so many times, which is crazy. You would think it would only take one person being like, he's writing with his toes to be like, and scene. No. But <laughs> instead, it'll be like, here are seven different people who caught him doing shit. And so I would click on a lot of them. And a lot of times it was just like regular researchers, academics, whatever, being like, paranormal shit's fake. But then if it was magicians, I'd kind of go down that rabbit hole for a little. Now you're setting something up. <laughs> so, I am. <laughs> so Henry Slade, uh, as we know, was debunked by John Neville Maskeline. That's uh, how he was brought up last episode. Uh, however, when he was on his new bullshit in America, a different magician um, was the one to expose his accordion trick and be like, he's playing an accordion with one hand <laughs> under the table, which once again, so fucking cool. Just own that. Just like, you know, commit. Um, yeah, because I'm like, so how did you do that's that? That's so cool. Um, so this one is two magician versus psychic fights for the price of one. Yes. Um, this I'm will broke. not be the last time this occurs this episode. But this is the first time things went completely off the rails for me this episode. <laughs> Great. This is the sentence I read uh, where my life changed. <laughs> the magician Chung Ling Su exposed how Slade had performed this trick. And I was like, wow. So sometimes not only did academics like study this together, multiple magicians also <laughs> had to be like, guys, I can do fake magic. This is fake magic. I was also excited about this because um, beyond that, last time, pretty much all the magicians we talked about were European white dudes. Uh, and I knew there were excellent magicians from other races and countries across the world. So I was excited to add some diversity to the roster of magicians. Oh, no. Instead of oh, no. I was about to say, would you like to guess where this is going? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to speak it into truth. I, I, I feel like you may have a good guess where this is going. Mm, that man was white. That man was white. <laughs> so Chung Ling Su was, in fact, a white man. Uh, he was born in New York to two Scottish parents no. and toured. And here we bring in what you were just referencing about the uh, man who sold the Eiffel Town. Uh, he originally toured in a minstrel show no. um, by an early blackface minstrel entertainer whose name was Charlie White. Um, I would like to go on record saying that uh, minstrel shows are never okay and no one should ever be a minstrel performer ever, but I feel like you should extra not be a minstrel <laughs> performer if your name is Charlie White. Like, I had that just, thought. It just feels extra bad. Um, so uh, Chung Ling Su, oh. 
did that for a while. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. And then performed. I'm disappointed, but I'm also. Don't worry. No, don't kind worry. Kind of not. Don't worry. There there will also, well, hang on. I don't want to spoil it. It's okay, just okay. like strap the fuck in. Fuckle the buck up. Uh, his specialties, uh, oh, he per- performed under the name Professor Campbell, which I think is the only time he performed as an actual white man. <laughs> and even then he was appropriating uh, academia culture. He wasn't actually a professor. Uh, his specialties included impersonations, hypnotism, ventriloquism, magic tricks, and in quotes, dialect singing. Uh, this is from the Wikipedia page and dialect singing is in quotation marks, but there's no link or further explanation as to what that means. So uh, I'm going to let that be a cliffhanger like human ostrich and no. maybe we'll find out next time. Um, he started performing when he was 14. Is that just doing accents? I don't know. We'll find out next time. No. Uh, he started performing when he was 14 because we were all youth performers, including us and Harry Houdini, um, under the name Robinson, Man of Mystery. Then he started performing, and this made me literally laugh out loud while I was at lunch slash dinner writing with Hannah Housdy, just like in the middle of a cafe. Um, and I quote, uh, black art illusions, this is what made me laugh, under the name Ahmed Ben Ali. So it's nice to know that he was an equal he opportunity an equal. racist. <laughs> I was willing to uh, impersonate he's like, people. Um, he's like those white guys who are like, well, I make fun of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, he's like when Scarlett Johansson was like, I should be able to play a tree. Um, He's really just ticking every option off the list. Uh, And speaking of offensive cross-race dressing, I wrote, uh, and then in parentheticals, not the words, but whatever. Um, I don't know what phrase I was searching for, but... um, I'll take it. Sure. Um, there was also a German magician named Max Ozinger who performed under the stage name Ben Ali Bay. And there is debate as to whether uh, Robinson, man of mystery, stole his uh, racist Middle Eastern name from this German magician or if they were all just kind of the same <laughs> vague sort of racist. Um, I think it's that. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. However, no, <laughs> there's there's a precedent that it might be the other one. Uh, unclear. He performed his act in the show of our friend from last episode, Harry Kellar with an A uh, in 1896 uh, when he was 35 years old. Thank you. Uh, he struck out on his own in the craziest way possible. And it is now time for Chung Ling Su sidebar sidebar. Yes. Ching Ling Fu. No. <laughs> Here's the plot twist. No. I don't know if this makes this entire debacle more or less racist, <laughs> but it definitely makes it different racist. But it's also just wild. So Ching Ling Fu is not another white man. Ching Ling Fu was the stage name of Chi Ling Kwa. He was born in 1854 and is credited with being the first modern East Asian magician to achieve world fame. He was born in Beijing and studied traditional Chinese magic and was a well-respected performer in his homeland. His tricks included breathing smoke and fire, producing ribbons, and a 15-foot-long pole from his mouth. Uh, One of his sensational tricks had Chi using a sword to cut the head of a serving boy off at the shoulders. Then, to the amazement of the audience, the beheaded boy turns and exits the stage. Another trick involved producing a huge bowl full to the brim with water from out of an empty cloth. 
He would then pull a small child from the ball. <laughs> when he brought his show to the United States in 1899, here's where it gets kind of weird. He began offering a $1,000 reward to anyone who could reproduce his water trick. Um, Wikipedia says this was equivalent to about $33,050 in 2021. New York-born William Robinson, who worked occasionally as a magician, decided to try for the $1,000 and she rebuffed him, which is strange to me. Like, why would you put up a, oh, I'll give you $1,000 if you can reproduce this and then have someone be like, I'd like to try and be like, no. <laughs> so I do think that's kind of uncool of him. Yeah. Well, However. Prize is just posturing. Yeah, I guess. I don't think he thought anyone would even try. Right. But like, then don't fucking <laughs> offer it. <laughs> However. I would say a disproportionate response <laughs> to being told, no, I won't let you try that, would be to look at the act of Ching Ling Fu, no. take on the name Chung Ling Su, no. and steal his entire act, which is so he did figure exactly out the water trick. what William Robinson did when um, Ching Ling Fu. There's one step of that that is unnecessary. That's the racist part. Yeah. He could have just done it as William Robinson, right? Yeah, sure. But like, where would the fun in that be? That'd be so much less crazy. Um, especially, and it's, for me, it's not just the fact that it's like, well, you know, while he, he has this whole East Asian mysticism thing going on, like, I'm going to adopt a vaguely East Asian name. And like, no, he was like, oh, you're Ching Ling Fu? Fuck you. I'm Chung Ling Su. Like, it was just... So aggro in a way. <laughs> I mean, let me put it this way. I was so fucking floored when Chung Ling Su turned out to be a white guy. <laughs> and then I was so fucking floored when <laughs> Ching Ling Fu turned out to also be a magician in play and not a white guy. And that these two were just in competition together. So Robinson developed a Chinese-style show of his own, rebranded himself as Chung Ling Su, uh, and in the guise of Chung, traveled to Europe. And a deep rivalry was begun between the two men, <laughs> as, as you can imagine. Uh, so William Robinson started performing his racist Chinese act, as opposed to his racist Black act and his racist Middle Eastern act, <laughs> at the Folie Bergère in Paris in 1900, when he was 39. Thank you. Uh, he dressed in traditional Chinese attire, shaved his facial hair, and darkened his skin with grease paint. Uh, at this point, he was performing under the name Hop Sing Su, but I guess he decided that wasn't quite a fuck you enough to Ching Ling Fu. So he changed his name to Chung Ling Su. Uh, it's just such a fucking debacle. As Chung Ling Su, he, he went claimed... so far. Oh, like he went. There were so many steps mm -hmm. from zero to full racism. Yeah, and he went to like a nine hundred, and he just. <laughs> He, like, did a minor racism. And it was actually already a pretty major yeah. racism. He did a pretty major racism. And then he was like, yes, this is, like, generally racist to all East Asians. <laughs> but I would like to be extra specifically racist <laughs> to Ching Ling Fu. I would like, like to I just, target. <laughs> yes. I would like my racism to be even more aggressive and even more targeted. So he claimed as Chung Ling Su that both his parents died before he was 13 and no. he was raised by a Chinese magician named R. He, 
who trained him to perform ancient Chinese magic tricks mixed with modern Europe magic. Robinson, as Chung Ling Su, uh, became a very popular magician in Europe. Did they know? No. And eventually, just wait, one of the <laughs> highest paid performers on the vaudeville circuit. He pretended to speak little to no English in his act. Uh, in 1905, Woof. Sue was in London for an engagement at the Hippodrome. His rival, Ching Ling Fu, was performing at the nearby Empire Theater. By this time, Fu became aware that Sue was actually William Robinson and that he had basically copied Fu's entire act. He publicly called Sue an imposter. So did he not know that all this was going on? I guess not. There's no internet, remember. So everyone's just kind of like in their separate countries doing their separate things. No one was like, hey, there's someone so similar to you. I (laughs) guess not. And then, But then when he showed up in London and they were both in the same place, he was like, what the fuck? Can you imagine? I would <laughs> lose my shit. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Did he, again, do we think like, he I, knew that William Robinson was white? He did at this point. This is when he was like, wait, 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 wait. You're William Robinson. Yeah. Because he's the one who, it's some real Sweeney Todd shit in that like when, spoiler alert for the musical Sweeney Todd. Um, <laughs> Okay. Darth Vader was loose. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, just in case there are, you know, people. There's Sweeney's coming to LA. There might be a. I like that. I assume all the listeners are in LA. Yes. What? Also, do you know who the new Sweeney is on Broadway? Yeah. I I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I feel like I want him to be singing Anthony, not Sweeney. I know, but what if it's really hot? I mean, it's obviously going to be really hot. <laughs> also, like, it's Aaron Tveit for the people listening at home who have lives. But um, I And who, just, is it Sarah Bareilles? No, it's like Sutton Foster. Oh, it's Sutton Foster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same, same, same. Um, I was like, I know somehow. it's a tall brunette yeah, that I it's love. A, it's, a, it's a baker's <laughs> wife of some kind or another. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, uh, when it's like... Actually, no, because that's more proportionate. But when Sweeney Todd is Benjamin Barker and then someone wrongs him, and he <laughs> takes the name Sweeney Todd and then he kills everyone. And at the end, the judge is like, oh, shit, you're Benjamin Barker, who I wronged all those years ago. <laughs> so this was the moment when. Um, it's like how Javert doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, that, kind of. But like but, Valjean isn't. No, but he, no one lifts a cart. You know? Yeah, yeah. No one lifts a cart. And in that one, no one's like swapping names around. This one, I assume that like. Ching Ling Fu is basically in <laughs> Chung Ling Su's barber chair. And then Chung Ling Su is like, it's me, William Robinson, who you didn't give a thousand dollars to all those many years ago. And then uh, Chung Ling Su is like, no, not William Robinson. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a tangent. Uh... Um, but so anyway, so at this time, Fu is like, holy shit, he's William Robinson. So he publicly called him an imposter and became intent on exposing him, which I feel like would be really easy to do. You'd yeah, just be just like, wash your face. washcloth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we both know how to expose um, racism of that nature. Um, so Fu's promoter publicly announced that he would duplicate at least half of Chung Ling Su's illusions to prove he was the real original Chinese conjurer. Uh, the two. The problem is not. <laughs> yes. The... 
<laughs> You're correct. Okay, great. <laughs> um, the first two met at the the two met at the offices of the Weekly Dispatch for a press conference. However, when Chingling Fu realizes realized that the press was not interested in Chungling Su's actual identity as William Robinson, because I guess the press was just more excited about like, ah, yes, exotic East Asian magician <laughs> fight, and he was like, no, 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 I, I'm here to point out that one of that that he's a white guy. They were like, I mean, we just want to see like magic fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fu backed Which is out. Just of- as interesting if that dude's white. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Fu backed out of the press conference and challenge, uh, which was somehow a public embarrassment for him, which I feel like is the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, so he remained at the Empire for only four weeks while Chung Ling Su's engagement at the Hippodrome lasted three months. So it may seem like Chung Ling Su has gotten away with racism and been a super famous magician, which sure, and like gotten away scot-free. Um, no pun intended, since he was actually Scottish, uh-huh. <laughs> not uh-huh. East Asian or Middle Eastern or Black. Um, however, there is a comeuppance involved here. Yes. Sue's most famous illusion was called Condemned to Death by the Boxer. Was it called I Wash My Face? No. <laughs> No, no, no. It was called Condemned to Death by the Boxers. So immediately, I'm just picturing like Rocky Balboa style boxers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, But that felt a little too specific and weird for a Chinese themed act (laughs) since his whole thing was Chinese mysticism and cultural appropriation and whatever. Um, So we won't get too far into this or we'll never get back to the core magician versus psychic. I feel great where we are. Good. Um, instead of just uh, magicians versus racist magicians. <laughs> um, but basically, I was right. It's not like Rocky and Creed. The boxers, officially known as the Society of Righteous and Harmonious Fists, were a Chinese secret society based in northern China that carried out the Boxer Rebellion from 1899 to 1901. No, I did not look up what the Boxer Rebellion is because there's just not enough time. But I did see that the group became known in the English-speaking world as the boxers due to its members practice of Chinese martial arts at the time called Chinese boxing. Uh, and speaking of Chinese boxing, Chung Ling Su, who was not Chinese, but he did do a trick called Condemned to Death by the Boxer. Guess what happened when he tried this trick? Did he die? He died. Oh! <laughs> he was condemned to death by himself. The gun went off in a way it wasn't supposed to and fired a bullet into his lung and he fell to the floor and said, oh my god, something happened. Lower the curtain. And this was the only time since adopting his persona that Chung Ling Su spoke English in public. What an embarrassing incredibly. (laughs) No, no, no. But just speaking of how embarrassing it was, um, I wanted to show you this screenshot of his related pages on Wikipedia because I think it's even funnier as a visual than just me reading it out loud. I'm sorry to the people online. We'll put uh, maybe it we'll put it Instagram. on Instagram. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> Would you like to read for our audience the complete list of related uh, see also pages on his Wikipedia? See also. List of entertainers who died during a performance <laughs> and examples of yellow <laughs> which I just think is just... What a mortifying legacy is, to leave behind. So embarrassing. Like, just honestly, debacle. And I bet he was a very talented magician. Yeah, I'm sure. But that's, and he could have just, could have just done that. He could have just done that. Much like, uh, you know, uh, Henry Slade, who could have just <laughs> done an, a one handed under the table they accordion all performance. Just. Yeah. 
And that's a recurring theme is people being like, wow, they are so talented at doing this fake thing. Like, this is really impressive that they are faking this. Just like, just own it. Just, just own it. fucking do the thing. Um, so that was our Chung Ling Su, <laughs> Ching Ling Fu sidebar. Um, I have in my notes that I don't know how to gracefully get back on track. You don't need to. Cause, yeah, because that's just... That was so much and mm-hmm. so unexpected. Um, but a reminder of how we got there was that um, Chung Ling Su um, was uh, exposed uh, Henry Slade's accordion trick, and his other tricks were perf- Whoa, exposed I by. I forgot that's where we were. Yes. Um, and Henry Slade also had tricks exposed by John Neville Maskeline. So. Another uh, magician fight. This is our final John Neville Maskeline magician versus psychic fight referenced in the previous episode, um, which was John Neville Maskeline versus Eusapia Palladino. Didn't really talk about her much last time. uh, So this time we're going to find out what was actually up with her. Um, In 1915, John Neville Maskeline was part of exposing Eusapia Palladino. Now, here's the thing. Originally, I was just throwing in the age thing as a running bit, but I'm so glad I did because in 1915, John Neville Maskeline was 75 years old. So, and I have like no sense of keeping track of numbers or math or age, but in doing this whole, haha, I'm going to tell you how old everyone is at every second, I realized that he was on his exposing psychics bullshit for a full 50 years. I love that. Commit. Right? Isn't that kind of amazing? Find what you're passionate about. 100%. (laughs) So when he was 74 in 1914, he founded the Occult Committee to investigate claims of supernatural power and expose fraud. And I just like, I love that for him. He didn't become a believer like J. Allen Hynek, right? No, he did not. He He was full out, no marking, just calling out the frauds for over half a century. I just, I I think that's amazing. I don't think I will ever do anything for over half a century. Well, we won't because the world's going to end because right, of the climate you're right, crisis. You're right, you're right. So I can I don't even have to worry that. about it. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. So I did start last episode with Houdini's father being a rabbi and his mother being a woman because this was the 1800s. <laughs> um, and so I always respect an old-timey woman hustling, even if, they're doing shady shit because um, they had the odds stacked against them. Does that extend to the Fox sisters then? Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I've i always respected the hustle. It's the hustle, yeah. It's a, like, listen, I get it. Again, huge, huge respect for the hustle. My only problem was the idea of Houdini being threatened as a performer and not morally injured. Um, so Eusebia had even more stacked against her than average. She was born to a peasant family, orphaned as a child, and raised by a nursemaid. Uh, she probably had little to no formal education, and she married a traveling conjurer and theatrical artist, um, which is a mood. Uh, and she helped manage his store. She later married a wine merchant. I couldn't find out if there was death or divorce between them yeah. or whatever, but... Um, Her Wikipedia page is divided into locations because she did her seances and was challenged by skeptics across multiple countries. Um, So at the very least, she did her mediumship in Italy, Poland, England, France, and America. Um, In 
1895, Palladino was invited to England uh, in Cambridge for a series of investigations into her mediumship. According to reports by the investigators Myers and Oliver Lodge, all the phenomena observed in the Cambridge sittings were the result of trickery. Her fraud was so clever, according to Myers, that it must have needed long practice to bring it to its present level of skill, which is exactly what we were talking about like two seconds ago. Yeah. Where it's like <laughs> these people have gotten really, really good at doing cool trickery, um, just like own the cool trickery. Um, so this is going to tie into what I was saying earlier um, when you were like, why don't they just open their eyes or why don't they just notice that hands are Hansing. Um, so during the seances, uh, Palladino was like, you know, tied down before the lights went off or, you know, whatever. Um, she was caught cheating in order to free herself from the physical controls of the experiments. Uh, she was found liberating her hands by placing the hand of the controller on her left on top of the hand of the controller on her right, which is what I was talking about earlier. So it's like, okay, everyone close your eyes and hold oh, I hands. See, yeah. So that everyone in the room was like, well, I was holding her hand. I was holding her hands. There was no way she was using her hands to do the crazy things. But they were just holding each they other's hands. They didn't notice that they, they were, were like stretching a little farther than I, I guess would not. have made sense. I don't know. Maybe she like had everyone sit around a really small table for like just that purpose. Um I don't know. I don't know. I could I could not possibly this tell you. one it bothers me. <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't I've I got I know nothing. you don't have the answer. I got nothing, <laughs> but I don't disagree. I get what you're saying mm -hmm. and I'm right there with you. I know this is what I keep going back to every time, but once again, these are the people who, when they were given proof of fraud, kept telling people that they were magic. So I think the idea of like, oh, maybe my hand is stretching a little further to hold this hand than it should, mm -hmm. like, was not going to phase them. I'll give it to them. And then there's the other type of people who are the people who wrote these reports being like, she, she's just making the wrong people hold hands. Like, that's it. That's all that's happening. They're just holding um, other hands. They're, they're just holding other hands. Um, so Richard Hodgson had observed Palladino free a hand to move objects and use her feet to kick pieces of furniture in the room. The magician John Neville Maskeline was involved in the investigation um, and also was like, yeah, this is lots of just fake shit and using hands and kicking furniture. Uh, he published a long exposure of Palladino's fraudulent methods. Um, and Maskeline said that everything rested on the question of whether Eusapia could get a hand or foot free occasionally. She wriggled so much that it was impossible to control her properly throughout. <laughs> if she could get one hand and sometimes a foot free, everything could be exposed. Explained. The British psychical researcher Harry Price uh, wrote her tricks were usually childish, long hairs attached to small objects in order to produce telekinetic movements. Um, the gradual substitution of one hand for two when being controlled by sitters, the production of phenomena with a foot being surreptitiously removed from its shoe, and so on. Um, John Mulholland, who was also a magician, uh, stated that Palladino was caught cheating times without number. Sorry, that was a terrible line reading. I, as I was reading it, I was like, wait, how many times? But the answer is times without number. Very into the woods. What kind of magic? Magic that defies, defies. description. 
Uh, so she was caught cheating times without number, even by those who believed in her, and she made no bones about admitting it. Um, so Palladino dictated the lighting and controls that were used in her medium mystic seances. This is kind of what you were saying about, like, how was no one noticing? You know, it was all just kind of oh we need to do the things and that i think it was probably a lot of like setting an atmosphere setting yeah. the moods that people were I more susceptible i was like i'm really discounting the performance aspect exactly of this. exactly they're not just like sitting in a room like okay take my hand you know <laughs> uh so the fingertips of her right hand rested upon the back of the hand of one controller uh her left hand was grasped at the wrist by a second controller seated on the other side her feet rested on top of the feet of her controllers sometimes beneath them but a controller's foot was in contact with only the toe of her shoe mm. um so she could take it out of the shoe occasionally her ankles were tied to the legs of her chair but they were given a play of four inches um during the sittings in semi darkness her ankles could become free um, and in one instance, a controller cut her free so the phenomena might occur. So I guess sometimes she would have plants who were in on it. Um, uh, someone attending a seance in Munich noticed that instead of Palladino's hand, he ended up holding the hand of the sitter controlling the left side Do of the medium. Do you think anyone had a meet cute? I would love that. <laughs> like, they look over and they're holding the wrong hands. Yeah. The first thought is like, hey, she's fake. Ooh, they ended up holding the right hand. Oh, (laughs) can we write a rom com about that? That'd actually be a good short film. Seabunkers, were you falling in love? Exactly, one hundred percent. Were you in the? Were you aware of the Figwit fandom in our youth of Lord of the Rings? Yes, Frodo is great. Who is that? One hundred percent. So I was very aware of Figwit. Yes, and for those of you who don't know, um, that's Brett. Uh, that later turned out to be <laughs> Brett from Full Light of the Concords. Um, so pretty. So pretty. But I feel like my line reading of like, oh, she's cheating. Ooh, holding yeah. hands. This is like same it's like, very figwit energy. Seance is fake. Who is that? <laughs> Sifwit. <laughs> oh, my God. If you ever make show merch, can this... <laughs> Can can this episode's merch be <laughs> seances fake? Who is that? Um, I'm still waiting to become uh, famous one day. Um, I guess I'm, I am. Wait, there's a reason for this. You made me snot. This is, this is going somewhere. This uh, is going somewhere. Yeah. Here's why I hope I'm famous. Okay. And how it's related to seances fake? Who is that? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I am. I am very slightly marginally famous. In a certain circle, thanks to the Monster Prom fandom. And so mm-hmm. when I've been at PAX, I have autographed things for people, which is very cool. I want one. Um, I'll, I'll give you my autograph. I want an autographed picture of Vera. Oh, 100%. Yes. I can make that happen for you. Um, and here's why this is relevant. The, the first person to whom I ever gave my autograph was Arthur Conan Doyle. Was Arthur Conan Doyle. Was John Oliver's mom. <laughs> uh, was Jermaine from Flight of the Concords. <gasps> Stop it. Because I was at a um, signing for them at, uh, oh my God, what's the, Amoeba Records. 
Um, and the girl in front of me had like made them friendship bracelets or something cute like that. She was like a Swifty ahead of her time. She <laughs> she raver, saw the future. Basically. She was a, she was a real uh, medium. Swifties um, did take that from ravers. Whatever. I just want that okay, made clear. Okay, Swifties took it from. We ravers. know where we got it. There you go. Um, so she gave them like friendship bracelets, and so when I got up there. Jemaine was like, what do you have for us? <laughs> and so I reached into my purse and all I had was um, a, uh, a coupon for, um, oh my God, it was a Mexican place at the Cal State LA campus. I don't think it was El Pollo Loco, but I can't remember the name of it, but whatever. And a Sharpie. So Great. I <laughs> autographed it and I gave it to him and I was like, here's my autograph. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be worth something one day. I hope he still has it. I hope so too. I'm sure he does not, but he did laugh really hard, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, so anyway, my my goal is to be famous, uh, so that that moment was justified, mm, mm-hmm. and that's the story of how Eusapia Palladino <laughs> <laughs> would free her feet in a seance. Um, uh... So she refused to allow someone beneath the table to hold her feet with their hands. Uh, She refused to levitate the table, which I guess is also something that she did from a standing position. Um, She always had to be seated and no wall could stand between Palladino and the table. So once again, you know, as you were kind of alluding to, Kayla, all it takes is someone being like, okay, so we're going to do this very basic thing to make sure you're not using a very basic, like, normal physical thing to create this paranormal phenomena. And she's like, no. I would have kind of blindfolded them. Blindfolded who? The audience. Yeah. Well, so no, they but I'm saying open like. their eyes. Sure. But I'm saying like in terms of the investigators, mm, like mm-hmm. when you're like, how, why didn't people just do this or that? Like the second they did. It was just, like, super apparent that it was fake. Mm -hmm. So, again, like, there are two sides of it. One is that the trickery itself was very elegantly done. Like, she was clearly great at sleight of hand and just directing attention. And so, for example, her levitation of the table began by freeing one foot from its restraints, uh, rocking the table and then slipping her toe under one leg of the table while... Her shoe is still touching the person who's supposed to feel like her foot is mm-hmm. there. Um, so, like, the the execution is very high level. Yeah. And the concept is, like, super easy to disprove. Like, it, it, it takes, like, two seconds to be like, wait, um, that is... That is fake. Yeah. Um, I do admire the ability to remove your foot from a shoe with nobody noticing. So impressive. Same energy as playing an accordion with one hand <laughs> under the table. Yeah. Like it's um under the table really makes that more difficult. Yeah. The accordion requires a lot of movement. It also I, it's kind of I picture it as requiring two hands. As it well. does. So I, I again I guess you could put it on a knee. Playing an accordion with one hand under the table <laughs> is so much more impressive than ghosts playing the accordion. I want to see that. Right? God. Um, so that brings us up to date with the magician fights referenced last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, with obviously a couple sidebars of other magician fights that cross over with those magician fights. Uh, And now we're going to get into some completely new characters. 
Uh, Can we take a pee break? I was about to say. Yes. Let's do an intermission because I need to pee. This is perfect. And then it gets even better. Hey guys, this is technically an ad, but don't skip it because I actually tried this and I really love it. And it's not just because my friend made it, but my friend Patrick Boylan and his team created an app called MuseFlow that teaches you piano, but not like in the boring typical way that you learn piano. It's a game and each level adds a new note or rhythm. And then once you've mastered that note or rhythm, you move on to the next level. What's cool about MuseFlow is I played piano for 10 years and I learned from this like scary lady with long red fingernails who basically bullied me into learning. And I feel like I learned more in 10 minutes playing MuseFlow than I did in like 10 lessons with my mean teacher. Patrick has very kindly given me and the MTI team a very generous discount code. So go to www.museflow.ai and click play now to start a two-week free trial. And when you sign up for the free trial, use code MYSTERY50 in all caps to get 50% off of MuseFlow for life. Make sure you use all caps. It's case sensitive. You can also apply the code MYSTERY50 when you actually pay for the subscription. Either way works. Go to www.museflow.ai, that's M-U-S-E-F-L-O-W, and use code MYSTERY50, all caps, to get 50% off for life. Once again, this is technically an ad, but I genuinely love MuseFlow. I will be playing it myself. So if you want to join me, let's all become piano virtuosos together. And a big, big thank you to Patrick and the entire MuseFlow team. I'm so excited. And we're in again. Uh, welcome to... <laughs> <laughs> again. It's back. Welcome. We're back. And we're back. There you go. Um, welcome to Act Two. <laughs> um, this time it is all new characters. I mean, you'll see like the same people crop up because they're all bouncing around in this time, pe- time period of the late 1900s. No, sorry, late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, it's like it's like ragtime. Like they're just <laughs> historical figures popping up here and there. But I love like. It. This is we're we're past the John Neville Maskeline series and now we're into some new magicians fighting some new psychics. Enter Joseph Francis Wren. He was born in 1868 when he was zero years old. <laughs> um, he coached Harry Houdini as a teenager at the pastime in running. He coached Harry Houdini in running at the Pastime Athletic Club. And it's written on Wikipedia as uh, he coached Harry Houdini as a teenager. And it's not clear if they mean Joseph Wren was a teenager or Houdini was a teenager or they were both teenagers. Um, and it's possible that they were both teenagers because they were somewhere between five and six years apart in age. So Houdini could have been 13 and Ren could have been 18. That's not important. Um, but now it is. I mean, yeah, I guess it is. Now I want to know. Well, well, you won't. Uh, but Wikipedia <laughs> What's says. What's a human ostrich? <laughs> well, now we do know this that one. What's one we ostrich. don't know? Dialect singing. Dialect. Dialect singing is the cliffhanger for this one. Um Wikipedia says that Joseph Wren remained a friend to Houdini and exposed many fraudulent mediums throughout his career as one sentence. And I'm glad those two items are paired together because, as we know, um, Houdini lost friendships over exposing fraudulent mediums, such as his friendship with Arthur Conan Doyle. So I am glad that uh, he he had some friends to uh, bond uh, over this with. That wasn't quite syntax but like whatever I think it was bond over it. this with 
bond with. Yeah. Bond with over this. this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was 39. <laughs> I was going to say, we're the smartest people we know. Um, Rin was a member of the Society of American Magicians, an organization most famous for carrying Harry Kellar offstage <laughs> on a chair from his final performance while a 125-piece orchestra played Old Lang Syne. And, of course, honoring Harry Houdini's dog, Bobby the Handcuff King, with Magician of the Year at their annual banquet. Um, if the Society of American Magicians is known for anything else, I don't want to know about it, so don't nope, tell me. No, that's it. Uh, Joseph Wren's Wikipedia page is pretty anemic, uh, so I had to do a deeper dive to figure out exactly when he was performing, uh, specifically so I could know he was one of the people passed over in favor of Bobby. <laughs> um, was he? I, I wasn't able to pinpoint specifically, but based on the general timeline of when he got born at the age of zero um, <laughs> in uh, 1868, uh, it, it is very likely that he was part of the Society of American Magicians when Bobby the Handcuff King was made <laughs> Magician of the Year, um, reminding everyone once again that even old-timey magicians had to deal with handcuffed dogs. Um, <laughs> so Rin, and this is a uh, recurring theme in our a circle of magicians debunking psychics. And this, uh, you know, is a big thing with the million dollar paranormal challenge that we already said we're going to do a separate episode mm -hmm. on. Um, but another kind of precursor to that, Rin would offer huge amounts of money up to $10,000 to anyone who could demonstrate a psychic event. Um, however, nobody ever did. Uh, sidebar John Mulholland, who is another magician slash debunker that I referenced earlier. This was like such a common. <laughs> it's like how now in musical theater, they really want a lot of you to be like an actor musician. Like apparently a uh, magician debunker was just like that was that was being the triple threat. You had to be a magician, a performer and a debunker of fraudulent mediums. Um, John Mulholland, I thankfully didn't find any information about any of his specific magician versus psychic fights at a first glance. Um, and I didn't anymore. dive into that rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like, there's there's no time. But I just the vast number of these people really just amused me. Um, but there there were Are a couple there any, things like mm -hmm. I know you probably don't know this because this is a whole other side quest. OK. Are there any um, magicians at that time? who were like, yeah, obviously that's also real. I mean, the closest was, I think, Harry Houdini, who was like, I want to believe there's a way to yeah, contact yeah. the afterlife. But he was never able to find proof. But there wasn't anyone when who... Edgar yelled, warn the Duke. <laughs> there wasn't um, anyone who like the assassination of uh, No, I, I don't. There were people who were like, yep, this is real. But I have not found any overlap between magicians um, and those people. However, um, there were researchers um, who bought in even when things were disproved. And we're going to talk about one of those in a second. Yes. I, I believe he's one of the researchers under my absolute very, 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 very favoritist character. <laughs> well, second favoritist in this entire episode. We'll get there. Who's first um, favorite? But you're going to find out. Yes. Okay. Okay. Very soon. I'm getting ahead of myself. Very soon. I'm just yes, excited. Um, but so this is so John Mulholland is a actor musician, um, but make it a <laughs> magician uh, debunker. Uh, and guess where you went to school? 
Cal State LA. Columbia University, where he slept on uh. a copy of the Iliad, I'm sure. <laughs> um, in 1939, he was the only foreign officer in the British Magical Society, and that, by that time had studied his craft in 42 countries. He ran one of the first magic workshops and was from 1930 the editor of the magical trade magazine The Sphinx. He published many books on magic and its history, uh, but he left The Sphinx magazine in 1953 officially due to health problems. Do you think he's listed as one of our, like, distinguished alums? Oh, I hope so. We can look it up. Um, and he should be. It should be Kayla Vandermont. John Mulholland. John Mulholland. No one else. Is he the Mulholland after whom Mulholland is named, or was that a different Mulholland? I feel like it's probably a really common old-timey American name, but, like, let's pretend it's him. Um, so would you like to guess? So he left the Sphinx... On record due to health problems. Would you like to guess the actual reason why he left his post as uh, editor? Mm. Did he have to go train a dog to get out of handcuffs? Very close. Really? Kind of. <laughs> it does have to do with training. It was a cover for him to work for the CIA. <gasps> <laughs> During the Cold War. Mulholland was paid by the CIA to write a manual on deception and misdirection. <gasps> Copies of the document were believed to have been destroyed in 1973. However, copies later resurfaced and were published as the official CIA manual of trickery and deception. Also, uh, last time I listed the names of a bunch of anti-spiritualist books by Maskeline, by Houdini, by Penn and Teller. Um, and so uh, we can add to the list of uh, books by magicians fighting psychics. Um, the 1938 classic Beware Familiar Spirits by John Mulholland, criticizing claims of parapsychology and exposing the tricks of mediums. This, the official CIA manual of trickery and deception, is not credited to Mulholland. Who is it credited to? It is credited to H. Keith Melton and Robert Wallace. Mm. You can get the full mm. text. Interesting. We'll, we'll have to uh, do a separate fact check. But there is, there is, on the cover of it. It says declassified. <laughs> There's three names, but the middle one is scratched out. Ooh, this is really cool. Wait, can I, will you put it closer to my face? Yeah, I don't think it says Mulholland. I don't, I don't think so either. It looks it's like, like it the starts right with a C. number of letters. Um, this is so interesting. I guess. Now we don't know. Maybe it's an anagram. <laughs> I can't do letters or number. H. Keith Melton and Robert Wallace are an anagram for John Mulholland. It just looks like the first letter of this scratched out name is a um, H. A C? I think it's a C. Maybe. It, whatever it is, it doesn't look like it it's starts not. with John Mulholland. No. <laughs> or end with it. And speaking of ending with John Mulholland, that's the end of our John Mulholland sidebar. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, back to Joseph Wren. Um, So he, just a reminder, because I spoke about him very little and then immediately went off onto this other guy. Uh, Joseph Wren coached Houdini in running 
it was passed over for Bobby the Handcuff King. Um, so one story I found on Wikiwand, uh, which is like Wikipedia for magicians, apparently. Um, uh-huh. Um, is so oh I have a couple stories of Rin debunking fraudulent mediums. There's also one story of Rin attempting to debunk a claim of phenomena that turned out to be true. <gasps> Emma Cecilia Thursby was an American singer who lived from 1845 to 1931 when she was 86. After a successful career in America and Europe, including appearing in a series of programs with Mark Twain. I did not look up what those were because no one has the time. But I don't have the time. Amazing. I have so many questions. Oh, yeah. No. Shutting them down. Um, she became a professor of music at the Institute of Musical Art, now known as the Juilliard School. Wow. Sometime before 1899. Not sure exactly when, but probably within a decade before that. Um, and in 1899, Joseph would have been 31 and Emma would have been 54. So it's before that. Emma received a visit from Joseph Wren in a failed attempt to disprove her claim. When Joseph Wren walked away, he was quoted as saying when it came to the veracity of Emma's claims, there can be no doubt. He also said, I was dumbfounded. Would you like to take a wild guess as to what Emma's claims Involved that she could play an accordion. Yeah. <laughs> it d- it is related to music. Oh, Emma Thursby sometimes performed with Hermione Bird, uh, who was alleged to have sung in five languages: <gasps> English, French, German, Malay, and Chinese. Joseph Rin showed up in his role as a skeptical investigator and was like, you don't have a bird who can sing in five languages, uh, and found that the bird, direct quote, sang and took suggestions just as a human would. There could be no doubt that he understood what was said to him and replied in a tone that sounded like a mezzo-soprano. Joseph Wren also <laughs> attested that the bird had been taught to play the piano by Thursby and could play Home Sweet Home by walking on the correct keys. Um, after the bird died in 1899, when Emma was 54 and Joseph was 31, uh, the thing I read said medical societies in New York City requested to perform an autopsy on the bird. This is not technically true. An autopsy on a non-human animal is called a necropsy. Um, but the point <laughs> is they performed a necropsy on the minor bird and found that it had a larger than usual brain. And uh, maybe that's why it was so smart. Um, and I love this story because I love birds. Yeah. Um, but one thing that kind of amused me about this story is the idea that someone who's like raison d'etre is like debunking false claims of phenomena was like, there's no way this bird sings in five <laughs> languages. I'm going to see this for myself because... The idea of anyone speaking five languages is very impressive. And obviously, that would be beyond what we consider to be the intelligence level of a bird. This bird does not speak five languages. This bird is able to imitate sounds. Mm -hmm. So for this bird, singing in English, French, German, Malay, or Chinese is all just parroting, literally, kind of. Um, They're corvids, not 
So, so it's a different classification. This has been aviculture talk with Maggie too. Um, <laughs> if you need more, just, <laughs> volunteers. Just, uh, if if you need more, uh, check out my YouTube channel, oh, um, yeah. Mad About Animals Mags. It I has evolved. To, since I forgot the first to time. plug that on my last episode, but the bulk of my followers came uh, from my first episode Aww. of this. So, uh, Mad About Animals Mags on YouTube.com. I would love to see uh, some Mystery Team Inc. people over there, but. The point being, I just love the idea of someone so smart having their mind blown <laughs> by the idea of a bird speaking multiple languages when to the bird, it's all just r- repeating syllables. It's just sounds. And nothing, yeah. Like, <laughs> not, like, what is impressive about it is the, the sheer number of sounds and melodies and words and tones that the bird was able to imitate. But I just love that all uh, these old timey people were like, Wow. That bird, so many languages. Talk to um, me when the bird can play the accordion one wing. Yeah, <laughs> one wing under a table. <laughs> Talk to me when the bird builds a small enough table that it can fit <laughs> one wing under it to play a teeny tiny accordion. Couldn't debunk the minor bird because that was real. However, I do have two stories of him actually debunking people. Um, and also remember earlier when I was like, my very favorite character is coming up, obviously. It wasn't the bird. It it was the minor bird. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, how are we going to beat that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The minor bird is my favorite non-human character. Uh, And then I saved my favorite human character for last. So we can end on a high note. Um. (laughs) Just like the bird does. Exactly. Um, so here we go. Uh, one of the psychics that this magician fought was Bert Rees. Bert Rees was an American-Polish medium and mentalist. Uh, in 1915, he was convicted by a magistrate as a fortune teller. He appealed his conviction and agreed to demonstrate his abilities by taking a test. At the court hearing... So, mm-hmm. fortune teller implying that it's... Illegal. Ill- fraud. Yes. I had the same thing where I was like, what if it's real? If it's real, is it still illegal? Well, at the court hearing in New York, Judge Rosalski wrote three questions on a slip of paper. Reese successfully told the judge what the questions were. The charges were dropped and he was released. (laughs) But that's like, I want to know how he did that. Well, you're not going to because, because, and you'll see why. So the famous inventor Thomas Edison was also duped by the I don't know if it's billet or billet. I I immediately go with billet because it's what does it spelled mean? like ballet. Um, I think it's like, uh, oh, fuck. I just, it was one of those things where when I read it, I was like, yeah, 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 you know, a billet. And then um, when you called me out on it, I was like, oh. A place, usually a civilian's house or other. Oh, nope. sorry. I just fucked up my microphone. Sorry, Andrew. I think it's mine. A lodge. Nope. In a particular place. Nope. I mean, I, th- I'm sure those are all true, but that's definitely not an what official this is. order directing that a member of a military force be provided with board and lodging. A brief letter. Yes, <laughs> I, I was about to <laughs> look billet. it up myself. I'm sure. Oh, billet. Billet. So billet readings. I'm sure it's the brief letter because basically someone writes something down, and then the magician is able to say what they wrote. Got it. Um, and I will tell you why I'm not going to tell you how that's done. Um, But he was able to tell the judge um, Thomas Edison was duped by the billet reading tricks of race (laughs) and stated that he was neither a medium nor a fake. 
which confused me slightly because I thought these people are billing themselves as mediums, but maybe not. Maybe like it was like slang at the time for like, yeah, oh, medium, if. like fraudulent, um, but whatever. So Thomas Edison thought it was uh, real. Okay. And the judge was like, this is real. Um, and then other people, um, such as Joseph Wren, whom this section is about, um, <laughs> were able to be like, no, this is fake. This is a magic trick. Um, uh, and here is a good example of what I was talking about, like the ragtime principle of historical figures from last episode cropping up now, even though it's not about them. Um, and in this case, as in the musical Ragtime, Harry Houdini pops up for a hot second, <laughs> uh, which is he wrote to another character from last episode, Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, so in one of his letters when he was like, dude, I love you, but like spiritualists are frauds, uh, he talked about attending one of Burt Reese's um, sittings and was able to see his trickery and what he was doing as a magician. Um, Houdini commented once again, back to the theme of these people being so skilled and just like own what you're good at, fam. Uh, Houdini commented, and I will say that of all the clever sleight of hand men, he is the brainiest I have ever come across. Brainiest. Yeah. So once again, everyone's like, these people are so good, dot, 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 at tricks. Um, he, uh, once again, the other theme that always makes me laugh is how long the lists of people exposing the fake psychics were. Because again, why is why doesn't it just take one time for people to be like, well, they're fake at their job. Um, but so Reese's tricks were also exposed by... Another magician fighting psychics, Samri Frickle. Um, yep. Samri Frickle uh, was born Charles Fulton Orsler and was an American Frickle. journalist, playwright, editor, and writer under that name. He wrote as Anthony Abbott when writing mysteries and detective fiction, and he exposed fraudulent mediums under the pseudonym Samri Frickle, which he got by combining the names of magicians Samri Baldwin and Wiljalba Frickle. Frickle isn't hard. It's a hard name to take seriously. It is. It's mine. I'm note. sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but I, it doesn't matter. If yeah. it looks like it could be Frickle, don't use that as your credibility. I 100% agree. Um, and again, just adding to our list of old timey magicians writing angry books about old timey psychics, uh, Frickle uh, <laughs> wrote the 1930 book, Spirit Mediums Exposed. So back to Joseph Wren. Um, so that was his expose of Burt Reese. Um, and we're about to get to my favorite human character mm, yes. and our final, final chapter for today, um, uh, which is another person he exposed. But a fact about Joseph Wren, uh, he was an old timey anti-vaxxer who was outspokenly against the polio vaccine in 1911. And I'm sure he would be pleased to know that 100 years later, uh, anti-vax is back in faction. <laughs> and so is polio. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry he didn't uh, live long enough to see uh, his dream of more death and misery come to fruition. Mm, so A tragedy. Yeah. I, I hate his anti-vax beliefs, but I love that his Wikipedia page is what led me to discover the existence of my favorite human character in this story. Leonora motherfucking Piper um, for sheer 
chutzpah. Yes. Like the audacity of this woman sent me. Um, the bird was iconic because it was talented and also it just gets bonus points for being Burb. Um, but this <laughs> is my favorite human character uh, because I like I literally can't imagine the choices. This to me, it's not racist, but it's the same like taking it to a 70 out of 10 level as William Robinson becoming Chung Ling Su when all he had to do was literally not like there were so many ways it also it also reminds me of what you said in the last episode when we were talking about the current fraudulent psychics like taking on super high profile missing children's cases where then they're immediately disproved like they can be <laughs> disproven and also it's at such a high and public level why it's like it's like just why not go so much smaller yeah. um why again, not make like, jasper anything except I'm so angry with you right now because that is in my notes. And I was like, this is going to be the funniest part of the whole episode is when I bring that back. Um, literally, yup, yup. But I'm saving that sidebar. For the audience who doesn't know what we're talking about, you will. But I'm going to bring it up where I want it to be brought up. I'll forget. In a bit. Um, Not even on purpose. One, just because point. 100%, Kayla. <laughs> That's the energy. Like, you people have... just making the most insane choices. Um, but so, Leonora Piper, before we get into why she's my fave, um, what she was actually doing, once again, a la the hand-holding and things like that, researchers and scientists who studied Piper's mediumship have described mentalist techniques such as cold reading, muscle reading, and fishing, which are the techniques she might have used to gather information about seance sitters so she could appear to have unexplained insight. What is muscle reading? Um, Muscle reading is when you, like, look for, like, twitches and stuff, mm, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure, and possibly when holding someone. Um, and I've seen people do it. There's a really cool uh, burlesque performer slash magician um, called oh. the Magical Katrina. And she was on Penn and Teller's Fool Us and very did nearly she fooled fool them? them. Very nearly. <gasps> but they were very impressed with her and she did a great job. You can look up her episode on YouTube. But I've seen her do some kind of mentalist type stuff where she does predictions by watching people and asking questions and things like that and Got says, it. like, this is what I'm doing. This is called mentalism. I'm going to look for cues and, you know, whatever. Um, That's cool. So There you go. That's all you need to do. Yeah. It's way cooler. It's so cool. Just, like, do the cool thing. Play the accordion with one hand under the table and say that's what you're doing. <laughs> do it on top Jesus. of the table. Yeah. Just do it. Just play the accordion. <laughs> with two hands. Yeah. I'd be <laughs> impressed with cool. that. It's so impressive. Um, so... This whole time, um, as as we're coming to the end of it, um, I've stuck to the core premise of magicians fighting psychics and left out uh, going into the normal academic types being like, um, no, because that's what academic types do. Like, that's mm -hmm. their jobs. Um, and like throughout, I've kind of like mentioned the names of different paranormal investigators from academia or scientists or whoever just kind of like oh henry uh, mickelson or like whatever i don't know said that they weren't real or whatever um but there are two people involved in debunking leonora piper which again i i cannot every time i list the sheer number of people who had to be like <laughs> fake it like I, it tickles me all over again. But there, there's a reason I want to shout out to these two scientists. 
um, which is that they are under the category of uh, late uh, 19th century uh, women um, <laughs> who have a job that is more than woman or a spiritualist huckster. Um, so the first one is Amy Eliza Tanner, who was an American psychologist, not psychic, who became well known for discrediting the medium Leonora Piper after attending six seances with a fellow researcher. Uh, she earned a Ph.D. from the University of Chicago Magna Cum Laude in 1899. Nope. 1898. When she was 28, uh, she couldn't find employment, became an associate at the university's philosophy department. Uh, four years later, she became a professor of philosophy at Wilson College, uh, studied mediumship with G. Stanley Hall, and published her findings as sole author in the book Studies in Spiritism uh, in 1910. And we love a sole author. Yeah, exactly. That's so I was, cool. Yeah, I was like, this is fucking baller. Uh, and then uh, another one, Eleonora, no, sorry, Eleanor Sidgwick, born 1845, uh, also debunked her. And in 1915, Eleanor Sidgwick wrote a 657 page report <gasps> on Leonora Piper, which to me just sounds like she was too lazy to edit. <laughs> so relatable. And she was a physics researcher assisting Lord Raleigh. Um, an activist for the higher education of women, a principal of Newnham College at the University of Cambridge, and a leading figure in the Society for Psychical Research. So I just wanted to shout out uh, those two women, That's even so though they cool. weren't magicians fighting psychics. They were old timey women, women scientists. And they I were think women cool. fighting psychics. Exactly. <laughs> um, but also fuck their accomplishments because it's back to my best girl, Leonora Piper. Um before Piper was investigated by psychical researchers, she worked as a paid medium at a dollar for each sitting. And then by 1910, she charged $20 per sitting. $20 in 1910 would is like between $600 and $1,300. So she's making a lot of money. Yeah. Now, here is – I was right. Good. He was a researcher. So here is one psychical researcher who did believe that someone was in contact with the spirits even after doing his paranormal research. His name was because Richard of... Hodgson. I think it's because of sex things, <laughs> but I could be wrong. Um, but uh, as you're going to find out, this is the note I'm ending on, um, Leonora Piper was not a very convincing um, spiritualist. Was she hot? Um, I don't know if she was hot, but, like, men are dumb. So she could have been not go. hot, and he still could have been, like, in love with her. Because <laughs> he was obsessed with her, Great is the thing. So I think, to me, it makes more sense that this uh, psychical researcher got tricked by love um, or lust <laughs> or infatuation, whatever, than it was that he was good at his job and she proved <laughs> herself. For, for reasons you're going to see. But um, his subplot with her is that he was one of the very few psychical researchers that believed Piper was in contact with spirits. Um, Hodgson was supposedly personally obsessed with Piper and would stand outside her house observing her for long periods of time, even in blizzards. Um, the American psychologist Morton Prince, who knew Hodgson well, commented that the mediumship of Piper had wrecked his mind. No. Hodgson, during the latter days of his life, would allow no one to enter the privacy of his room. 
During these years, Hodgson believed that he constantly received direct communications with the regular bands of spirits in charge of Piper. Put a pin in that. He received these messages when alone in the evening. He allowed no one to enter his room. He was afraid they would disturb the magnetic atmosphere. Um, So uh, Piper supposedly contacted the spirit of the deceased Australian woman Hodgson promised to marry. Um, And Hodgson's reason deteriorated. I don't know. And he became a recluse in his dark room, believing he conversed with his lost love. So to answer your question as to whether anyone ever ended up being convinced that it was real. Yes, they did. And it doesn't sound very convincing to me. No. So here we go. This is our finale. (sighs) And I'm really excited about it. Just the sheer chutzpah of this. Because it's one thing to be like, ooh, look, I'm making, you can hear a knocking sound under the table, but my legs are tied to it. And like, Mm -hmm. really, you're getting your foot out. Like, that's, I understand the the angle of that um, to a degree in terms of like, oh, it can it's it's immediate. You immediately hear the knocking. You immediately hear the accordion. Did she and do you a be like, long con? Not that. Opposite. Oh. She just did a very bad con. Oh. <laughs> just like just like something that it's it's like the opposite of proving it. It's like instantly disproving. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> okay, You'll I'm see. ready. So Leonora Piper claimed to do her mediumship through someone called a control, which apparently wasn't uncommon at the time. It's basically like being like, ooh, my spirit guide, Stephen Sondheim, is putting me in contact with your dead niece. Mm. And here's what Sondheim says she's saying, Mm -hmm. like more or less. Like she's like, I'm being possessed by this spirit who is talking to the other spirit. Mm -hmm. But she consistently made predictions and or chose controls that were easily proven objectively true or false in a way that is fucking crazy to me. So, for example, one of her main controls was a man named Finui, spelled P-H-I-N-U-I-T, who was a French doctor. However, when speaking through Leonora Piper, Finui did not know the Latin names for the remedies he prescribed or the French names for the medicines he prescribed, and he also did not know French. Which is another case of you can just not. And that is where (laughs) I have in my script the same vibes as Jasper and Twilight. So what this is referencing, um, uh, some of you hardcore fans may have listened when Kayla and Maggie One did their Twilight reviews. Um, And in the comments, I was pointing out how absolutely insane it is that Jasper was a Confederate soldier in Twilight because the other options for careers she could have given Jasper are limited to literally anything else. (laughs) So Leonora Piper could have chosen literally anyone. She could have chosen her grandmother. Yeah. She could could have have made someone up. Well, apparently she did make up Finley, which makes it even crazier because she was like, no, 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 he was real. And then everyone was like, but there's no records of him. And she was like, yeah, I know. But like literally he could say like, bonjour and (laughs) au revoir. And like that was it. And all she had to do was not. Literally the only thing she had to do was not say, oh, a dead Frenchman (laughs) is controlling me right now. No, he can't speak French. 
Which is why the idea that Hodgson was like, yeah, I went in a skeptic, but I came out obsessed with her and standing outside her house in a blizzard, uh, to me, doesn't prove um, that she was good at this. (laughs) Because to me, again, like, it's like, it's like she was telling on herself before the trick she walked began. into that room and said, I dare you to believe me. Right. And they took that dare. One, 100%. 100%. Uh, so here were other controls of her. Was she a popular? Like, did a lot of people believe her? I think I think like, so. Did she have a long and illustrious career? I believe so. Because here's the thing. You know, Sedgwick wrote a 657-page paper debunking her so unless it should not, it should have taken one sentence. Right. So I'm unless it's just like 656 pages of LOL, this dumb bitch, like just written over and over. <laughs> like there must have been enough of a body of work that Leonora Piper had in order for her to have had this much material. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, at the very least. We know that she was charging one dollar in eighteen eighty five, and we know she was charging twenty in nineteen ten. I didn't do this math in advance, so I'm not gonna try and do it right now. But I know it's yeah. thirty five, eighteen eighty five to nineteen ten. How sure are you? Not twenty five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we know she was doing this for at least twenty five years. So how sure are you? That's a long time. Like, like it should have been twenty five seconds for her to be like, "Allô, it is I, Finwi, bonjour," and someone to be like, "Parlez-vous français?" and Finwi to be like, "I don't know what that means." And it's like, okay, case closed. She also could have just learned French. Yeah. Uh, there, there were so many options. Um, she also could have just not. Yeah. There are like literally a million ways. <laughs> Once again, this is the Stephanie Meyer making Jasper a Confederate soldier. This is William Robinson uh, making every crazy choice that he made. Um, I don't understand. No, it's not, it doesn't make sense. It's like, not for us to understand. <laughs> insane choices. So here are some other controls of Leonora no. Piper's. The German priest Martin Luther. Commodore Cornelius Vanderbilt, Henry Longfellow, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, no. and a young Indian girl named Chlorine. I don't know if she meant uh, indigenous or South Asian uh, Indian. How do you spell chlorine? C-H-L-O-R-I-N-E. Has chlorine been discovered at this point? I is this like so. the TikTok trend of like names that would sound good if they didn't have their meanings and they're like maybe, malaria? Maybe. Hold on, stand by. Yes, Discovery please. of chlorine. Man. 1774. Okay. <laughs> so now look up look up the origin of the word because I'm I'm going to have to issue a formal apology if this turns out to be a common name in either indigenous American or South Asian cultures. And if it's not then it's just wild. It comes from the Greek word chloros, meaning yellowish green. Okay. So she really pulled a cat stapler and was just <laughs> like, and it's, uh, I'm, oh, it's me, a young Indian girl named Chlorine. <laughs> it's not um, even as good as cat stapler. Oh, no, not even close. Uh, but it's just bringing the same energy. Yeah. 
Um, Piper's controls, um, again, not included, but not limited to, as we're about to hear um, those that illustrious list we just heard, uh, made many inaccurate statements. Uh, Eleanor Sidgwick, our scientist friend, had a sitting with Piper in 1899, and Piper's spirit control, Moses, <laughs> at that particular moment, uh, said— Was there any consistency? No. Okay, great. Uh, Moses said that a great world war was going to take place. Germany would have no part in it, <laughs> and it would be caused by Russia and France against England. Uh, in another sitting, the specification that Germany would have no yep, role in it. Yep, you could have not said that. Yep, yep. could have not said it. This is could have just is, said war. This is my favorite one, though. Uh, in another sitting, Piper's control Walter Scott claimed to have visited all the planets. <laughs> And when asked if he had seen a planet further away from Saturn, answered Mercury! Exclamation point. So, uh, skeptic John Sladek wrote that Piper's controls spoke nonsense, fished for clues, and knew next to nothing about their own lives on Earth. <laughs> this included a Frenchman Mercury. who, curiously enough, could speak no more French than Mrs. Piper had learned at school, which was very, very little. Um, and once again, like... All she had to do was not be like, hello, it's me, Abraham Lincoln, so that people couldn't be like, and what was your Gettysburg address? And her be like, fuck if I know. We the like, people. <laughs> like, I would have just said my grandmother and I would have used that the whole time. Yeah. That would have been a much That's better a great plan. idea. I'm going to go on to have an illustrious career but, but here's and the thing. seduce a man. I bet you won't because <laughs> she just milked minimum 25 years out of this. So clearly she understands things mm. and has a level of theatricality. And again, it's the sheer chutzpah for me. Yeah. Like the fact that she was like, yep, I'm just going to pretend to be every single person you've ever heard of and also make <laughs> some of them up. And it would be if I were like, ah, yes, it's me, a Formula One race car driver. <laughs> it would take someone two seconds to be like, OK, how do like tell Let's us about a race car? Power. Yeah. And tell us like, about a race car. would be like, vroom, vroom, bitches. <laughs> like, that's all you get. Right as gas. Yes. Like, like tell truly, us about a truly, like, uh, there are. Again, I know we're kind of going in circles on this, but the sheer level of you didn't have to do this blows my mind, secondary only to the fact that it still worked. Like, she just did, she just pulled the most crazy bullshit. I bet it was fun, though. Oh, it sounds like a great time. Like, she it sounds could like do someone who just wanted, wanted to do a one-woman show yeah. where she was doing all her impressions. She was working on a tight five, but instead it was a loose 25 years. And she's just a like, hey, guys, want to hear my years. George Washington impression? Want to hear my Abe Lincoln impression? You want to hear my French do, impression? Did she do impressions? I don't know, but I feel like... Okay, I, you could easily just be like, okay, Abraham Lincoln is speaking through me and he's saying this because you're well, using I'm, your own voice and yeah, doing yeah, air I'm, quotes. I'm sure, but like in terms of what we're pitching right now, our spitball of like, why would anyone do this? I have to assume it would be more fun to be like, oi, it's me, Moses. <laughs> I'm here to tell you about the burning bush. How has no one made 
media about these people? I don't know. And here's the thing. On the way over, I was like, once again, this is something that would be like an amazing anthology. Like each episode is a different like psychic versus magician fight. And then I thought about it for two seconds and I was like, no, it wouldn't. It'd be a terrible <laughs> anthology because it's the same story over and over again. It's someone being like, I can talk to the dead. And then magicians being like, you are doing very basic sleight of hand. The end. It would be every time. It would be a procedural that the studio got really excited about, but then canceled mid season when they realized that it wasn't that good. One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred. I would, however, watch a mini series on Leonora Piper. Oh, me too. I I think any given one of these people had crazy and fascinating lives. I would watch a whole mini series just about the minor bird. Um, Leonora Piper uh, did another classic spiritualist thing of the time, which is she made a statement admitting that it was all fake and then <laughs> control z it and was like, I, I didn't mean it. I was just in a mood, which like <laughs> the the Cottingly Fairy girls did that Fox and the Fox sisters, sisters did, that. did that too, which I think is hilarious that once I again, like, do that. I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm always doing that. The, 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 the number of times a year that I quit one or multiple of my professions and I'm like, I'm not a writer anymore. Just kidding. I'm a writer is like absolutely what what was the thing earlier? Times without number. Times the, without the, number. The, the, the frequency with which I quit careers and then take it back as uh, times without number. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently that was the case for all these old-timey spiritualists. <laughs> I bet it just got exhausting and there were just yeah. moments where they were like, fine, okay, whatever, I'm faking it. And I thought about it and they're like, fuck, but capitalism. Mm-hmm. So then they had to be like, guys, I was lying when I said I was faking it. <laughs> like, it's real. Please go back to giving me money. Abraham Lincoln says that your yes. dead sister says <laughs> to give me money in French um, <laughs> he just can't speak it uh, a philosopher who witnessed several seances with Piper wrote uh, and remember from her trying to predict the war she also like tried to do sciencey stuff the, so this philosopher um, Newbold who witnessed several seances wrote in all the years of Mrs. Piper's mediumship she made no revelation to science her efforts in astronomy were utterly childish, her prophecy untrue. She never has revealed one scrap of useful knowledge, and she never could reveal the contents of a test letter left by Dr. Hodgson, who's the man who was obsessed with her. I really Chapman hope that Cohen, that's what people say about me on this podcast. I hope so, too, <laughs> that you never revealed one scrap of useful knowledge. My attempts at astronomy were childish. <laughs> I, I hope that uh, tag yourself. I, I like that we've, we we both chose what we hope people say about us. Uh, Chapman Cohen noted that the controls of Piper were obviously fictitious. As it was claimed, she communicated with the fictional character Adam Bede from George Eliot's novel, Adam Bede. In 1898, the magician Joseph Wren attended a seance with Piper. During the seance, Piper held the hands of a Hodgson and Hyslop. Rin suggested that Piper was a practitioner of muscle reading. Uh, he had set a trap for Piper by inventing the fi- fictitious name Esther Horton, which Piper's alleged trance control accepted as a real person, which is giving the same setup for me as uh, 
last time we talked about the trap they set for a psychic in modern days. Oh, yeah. And the woman uh, revealed that the supposed missing girl who she said was dead was herself. And the psychic goes, wait, so you didn't disappear? And she goes, I'm right here. Um, So So you didn't didn't disappear? disappear. So I feel like um, that's the same basic trap of just being like, yes, I want to speak to Esther Horton and Leonora Piper being like, yes, and (laughs) Abraham Lincoln says that Esther Horton is right here. And I just, again, like, that's why she's my fave. Like, it's just the sheer chutzpah of doubling down on all these provably false statements, which were provably false. And nothing happened to her. no one asked her to make. And yeah, she just, she kept thriving. It's like how we always say live with the confidence of a mediocre white man. Correct. She embodied that. Yes, she really did. <laughs> Including really, the white really men did. that she used as her... Um, Marks. No, what are they um, called? Controls. Controls. Yes. Yes, correct. Not that they were mediocre, but they eh. certainly were white men. I mean, George Washington was a slave owner. I guess that makes him worse than mediocre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't give that mediocre. No, no, no. I wouldn't either. But I was thinking of, like, people think of George Washington as a great man. I was like, he, he's not. Um, but yeah, so that's, that is a shockingly incomplete history <laughs> of magicians fighting psychics, but that um, was such a treat. I, it was, it was something. I'm glad it was a treat because it, yeah. it was certainly, it was certainly a journey. Um, and as always, there was so much more. This is the tippity tip of the iceberg, but I was like, you know what? This is all kind of in the same world. So I hope that made it seem coherent rather than repetitive. But yeah. um, I always say there's a point in writing these episodes where I just go, this is terrible. No one's going to care about it. Why would anyone want to listen to me talk about this dumb yeah. bullshit for two and a half hours? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And then it like ends up making sense. Yeah. And being enjoyable. Good. So like last episode when I was telling Kelsey the story of the exorcism, like three quarters away and I was like, this is going to be so boring. Because nothing happens because exorcisms in the real world aren't as exciting as movie exorcisms. And then at one point she went, you have me on the edge of my seat. And I was like, oh, thank God, because I was a little bored. (laughs) But it's just because your brain has been eating that same food for so long that you're like, I don't want a grilled cheese sandwich anymore. Then you give someone else a grilled cheese sandwich and they've never had a grilled cheese sandwich. And they're like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. This is my favorite thing I've ever eaten. Okay, great. I was about to say, like, was this a grilled cheese? sandwich this was such a good grilled cheese sandwich i'm i'm thrilled yeah Um, thank you for bringing us this grilled cheese sandwich my my pleasure you're the one making the grilled (laughs) cheeses now like nine times out of ten so but it's that that one that helps me the fact that i can occasionally come in and just lighten the workload a little um is hopefully it's lovely for me i hope it's lovely for you and for your audience everyone leave me nice comments on the instagram because it really does she loves it makes me so happy i need a lot of attention and validation (laughs) in order to survive this horrific zeitgeist here on the edge of the climate apocalypse um and yeah what what gets me through the day is hearing that other people like houdini and hearing my dumb voice for like two hours straight and i i just love that magicians versus psychics has become an entire series just just through accidental user error um, on multiple <laughs> levels. And now it's like this thing that I'm so 
fascinated by and right. I find so compelling. This is how the universe sends you what you need. It's and you know true. what's so and interesting? You can't debunk that. This, no, you can't. This was started with um, the fairy society yeah episode arthur conan doyle was in it spiritual this whole year every episode i've done has like except for maybe the infinity one has had like a weird through line of this like spiritualism arthur conan doyle is in like half of them <laughs> like this is I it's, love that. it's so weird and i'm not doing it on purpose and that's why it freaks me out so much because like because it's your control chlorine it's chlorine <laughs> <laughs> it's just really cool that like choices that I unknowingly made yeah at random 100% in and cuz you didn't even it was strange to me when I was doing the fairy episode that even then it started to be connected yeah. to the fox sisters and then, like that whole thing of and spiritualism has I kept going. I didn't know I was Yeah, <laughs> you didn't know I was gonna lose my fucking mind and pull a William Robinson and be like, well, but guess I got to go to 90 out of 10. Yeah. I like that I keep increasing it each time. But the more <laughs> I think about it, the more I'm like, there's the times innumerous, times without number. It Racism should be. without number. <laughs> Racism innumerous. It really but is. But yeah, I really like that this keeps happening. Yeah. And I don't know what it means that like spiritualism keeps coming back. But I think it means that spiritualism is going to make a comeback. It might. Um, Thank you so much for doing all this work. Oh God, I appreciate it so it's much. the actual most fun. <laughs> I'm so glad that you enjoy yeah, it. I, I really do find it so delightful. Um, it also, it gets overwhelming, not because of like the amount of work. Like I don't find it tedious. I just, there's, there's too many things mm -hmm, to learn. Mm -hmm. I just at a certain point I was like and this is as much as I can talk about and also book me three hours so I don't <laughs> have to be anxious um, but like truly th this is I, I, it's, there could have been a million more um, and, and there can there be Jinx. <laughs> we can do whatever we want we really everything's fake amazing. and magicians are fun magicians are fun everything's fake we're failing <laughs> seance is, is but, fake who like, is that <laughs> It's <laughs> really so good. I, I hope one day to still make uh, Jermaine Clement proud. We'll see how that goes. Oh, my dream. Right. Well, thank you for coming. Thank oh you God, for thank doing you all for this work. Um, do we want to – I have currently given up on the sign-offs because by the end of these episodes, I'm so drained that I can't explain it to people, but I don't have to explain it to you. You don't have to explain it to so me. So we can do that. Great. Um, but that means that I then have to come up with a qualifier Correct. because I didn't do the research and I haven't had Correct. to do that in almost a year. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not true. I made you do one last time. Did I? What did I say? Um, wait. So you didn't smooch it. Oh. And it was. <laughs> that's so funny. Hilarious. It was so good. Um, and mine before that was extra long fingered smooches, which was also so good. <laughs> I hated those fingers. Yeah, me too. Um, okay. Okay, I think I have one. We don't know. Stay in your lane. Fuck with the buck up. Smooches? Yeah. So you say we don't know. Wait. We don't. We don't know. Yeah. Start over. Hold on. Okay, I'm ready. We really don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Stay in your lane. Fuck the buck up. Oh, no, I forgot. <laughs> wait, okay, wait, hold on. Okay. 
Okay, I'm ready. One? Yeah, I have it. I have it. Okay. We don't know. Stay in your lane. Fuckle the back up. You could literally do anything else except <laughs> smooches. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs>